This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, we're setting the Wayback Machine for 1986. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome to Magnificently Huge Podcast, my name is Brian, and today my friends Chris, Eric, and myself, we're gonna go back to 1986 and talk about the movies of that summer. So, 86 is kind of when the worm turned. You know, 80s nostalgia, a lot of it is really nostalgia for... The early 80s, uh, really 1980 to 1984, maybe 85. When you get to 1986, the Ray-Ban Wayfarers got replaced by the Ray-Ban Clubmasters, which were those half-frame glasses that Ferris Bueller wore in 1986. And yeah, there is some 80s nostalgia that goes all the way into 87, 88 with the huge shoulder pads and all of that. But this is the point where the 80s really started to get cheesy. And so we're gonna delve into that abyss. We're gonna talk about the movies that came out that summer and our creaking corporatization of everything that that, uh, that turned out some real duds. So, uh, yeah, you want your nostalgia, we got your nostalgia. Remember, here's the thing about nostalgia. The things that we look back upon fondly are the things that survived the test of time. The things that were actually popular at the time were often garbage. You hear songs in the grocery store by like The Cure, but man, The Cure was alternative music. That that was that was not the popular stuff. The popular stuff was was like El Barge. As always, if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends on your social media feeds. Give us glowing reviews on iTunes, and uh, you can contact us. You can tweet us at MagHuge on Facebook. We're Magnificently Huge on Instagram. We're Magnificently Huge, and you can email MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. So, yeah, we're we're gonna dig in here. We're gonna go to 1986. Buckle up. Hey everybody, it's Magnificently Huge! I'm Brian. Chris. I'm Eric. How's everybody doing this week? Uh, I've got the flu, so I'm trying not to sneeze and shit my pants at the same time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing that happens? <laughs> it can happen. It's not pretty. It's the flu. Boy, you're getting older than I thought. You, flu is not age-specific, sir. No, but sneezing and shitting your pants being a struggle might be. Well, yeah, but it's all the bacterium flowing through my veins. Boy, if you were actually sitting on the toilet when that happened, though, I bet that'd be <laughs> awesome. It'd just be like, oh, boy, I'm on the toilet again. And, uh, whoa, that, now everything's done. No, it literally is the scene from Austin Powers. It's like, who does number two work for? Who does number two work for? And now we can literally say anything we want, because anyone who started listening to this podcast has already turned it off, and we're free. You're welcome. <laughs> How about you, E? What's going on? I'm debating whether or not I'm 15 today, given our topic. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, you were were you fi- you weren't fifteen for the eighty four episode, were you? Uh, he tried no, to be. I was I was thirteen oh, for the eighty four episode. Oh Jesus! 
Okay, well, think about that while we talk about some fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Chris, you got any fresh shit for us while Eric's thinking about how old he is? <laughs> I did watch, what was the one? The, the World is Fucking Horrible. The End of the Fucking World? The End of the Fucking World, that's the thing. Yeah, I, wa- nice. I watched that uh, based on your recommendation. It's, uh, it's very good. Uh, it is pitch, pitch black, though. My, <laughs> my God, it's like the, the darkest thing I think I've ever seen. Uh, it's got moments of brevity, but they're few and far between. Uh, but I was, I enjoyed how touching it was, actually. That's a very good, yeah. It was a very good picture of a fucked up youth. Uh, and it was kind of laced with this thread of melancholy through the entire thing. Uh, I really liked the actress who played the girl. She was, yeah, uh, she was sad. She was, she was authentic. She was a, a, spit, a spitfire. But it was sort of, it had elements of uh, some of my other favorites, like Harold and Maude, uh, Heathers, had a little Breathless in there, a little Paris, Texas. You could kind of see some of the influences, uh, but it was... Oh, God, you mentioned Heathers. Can we talk about the Heathers thing? Yeah, uh, you can. I've not even bothered to watch any of it, so... Oh, Jesus. So this week, the the new Red Band trailer for the the upcoming Heathers reboot series dropped... And as far as I can tell, the Heathers are now based on Milo Yiannopoulos or whatever his fucking name is. Like, <laughs> they're like these gender queer guys who hate the snowflakes and, and play against those uh, those trends to manipulate people. Oh boy! Yeah, it looks so so fucking terrible. I'm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Have you seen the trailer, Eric? Yeah, I did. I already didn't care, and now I'm like, uh, I think the title of the article you sent me says it all. The Red Band trailer is trying to make you hate Heathers. <laughs> I see. I'm kind of holding out hope that this thing is deliberately awful or deliberately irritating, and that there will be some value in that. But I don't know. I'm pretty. Yeah, I would be too. Hmm. So anyway, yeah. You don't need to remake or reboot or restart or re anything Heather's because yes. it's already that already happens every five to ten years with Jawbreaker, Mean Girls, um, you know, any number of other girls or bitches in high school movies. Yeah, and and turning it into a franchise like that yeah. seems wrong. It, on the level of they made a musical, a Broadway musical out of Valley Girl and apparently that's being filmed now and it's going to star the girl from Happy Death Day. Uh, so, meh. hooray. Meh. Is it is it is it, I'm sorry, now I'm more interested in that. Is that a jukebox jukebox musical where they do all the yeah. music from the soundtrack? Yes, and then some. Yeah, they've licensed more '80s music huh. for it, even than what. Yeah, so that that at least there's some hope for that being, you know, silly fun. Early, it early, sounds like Mama early Mia. Nick Cage. <laughs> Nothing like early, early, early Nick Cage. No, no, he was Nicholas Coppola. That's right. At the time. That's right. Yes, we were just trampling all over Chris's fresh shit. What you got? I don't really have much because I was asleep for most of the week, thanks to, as I mentioned, flu. Uh. I started watching the third season of Shit's Creek, which is a Canadian show starring Eugene Levy and his son Daniel and Catherine O'Hara and assorted others. 
it's just it's like I a, didn't realize it had uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. That actually makes it more. Yeah, appealing. they're the pair. Basically, it's a a, su- a super rich <laughs> family that uh, got screwed by their manager and lost everything, and all they had left was this town that he had bought for his son as a joke, and the town is called Shits Creek, and so they go to live there, and it's just like a fish out of water. So basically, it's about rich people who have fallen to the level of normal folk and have to sort of work their way uh, through it. Uh, and that kind of premise tends to run out of gas, but third season is still good. Uh, and it's based primarily on the strength of Daniel Levy, uh, who is one of the co-creators. And he's just, he's sort of this uh, gender fluid uh, fella. So at times he's just super queer and other times he's just sort of affected uh, it's just a very funny performance all around. Uh, so yeah, Shit's Creek. It's not laugh out loud. Sometimes it's just very character based, but it's it's a very funny show. So I would recommend that. And then uh, okay. And then for a movie, I watched uh, again because it was on. I watched Flight of the Phoenix with Jimmy Stewart, and uh, <laughs> it's not as good as I remember it when I watched it no. as a younger fellow. It's very dry. Very feels very long. Some of the characterizations are sort of perfunctory. It's like he's the asshole, he's the nut job, he's the iron fisted mm-hmm. commander, yada yada yada. But I, it made the the remake a lot easier to do with those kind of simple characters, and at least that had some you know effects and yeah. death and violence. But this one, you get Jimmy Stewart later career where he gets to play the the stern taskmaster pilot. And so he's just yelling at people like, ah, it's like, I can't take you seriously, man. Cause it's of Dana Carvey. It's like this. I wrote this one when I woke up in a puddle of my own sick, when he was doing, <laughs> when he would do the Jimmy Stewart poetry thing on Carson. So yeah, flight of the Phoenix. It's a classic, I guess, but mm, doesn't hold up. No. All right. Uh, Eric, you got any fresh shit? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 15 this time around. I thought it was fun last time. I just don't have oh, the energy God. to improv. <laughs> yeah, 15. None of us do. <laughs> I was no. like, and, and uh, mental gymnastics. I was I'm like, not prepared I'll, for. Chris is sick this week, so I gotta bring the energy. And I'm like, I don't got the energy. <laughs> I don't. I don't have enough energy to spend a whole hour going. I'm riding on my skateboard and listening <laughs> to hardcore. Well, by the time you were 15, you were more sullen anyway, right? So you know. Eh. I don't know. You could just be like monosyllabic. Uh. <laughs> so Eric, I forgot I keep forgetting to ask you this question the last couple of weeks. How is the uh the pump your gas again going up there in Oregon because they passed that law? <laughs> I don't, they passed what? that law where you drives an e-car. He doesn't uh, even do gas. Okay. I'm just wondering how people up in Oregon are, I, are handling having to pump their own gas now. Oh no, no, no. That was that was uh uh I think outside of Portland or you know, it's like like in the rural mm. areas, it makes no sense to have somebody like standing around waiting for two or three hours for somebody to pull up and <laughs> need gas. Okay. So it's like, yeah, in the city, it's it's still there. And um, and yeah, I'm driving the electric a lot more, so I'm not really filling up all so that you're much. Just driving by with a big old middle finger up. We got a bunch of uh, vinyl cover stickers for our red a uh, smart car uh and they're white circles and we put oh, them yes. on the car so it looks like mini mouse <laughs> nice. it's the mini mouse and so uh. yeah i get i now get all the freaks of uh 
uh, of Portland, like waving and giving me thumbs up and write ons. It's like, it's kind of neat. Nice. That's one of the things that happens when you get an electric vehicle is you just completely lose the connection to like, what's a reasonable price for gas? Is gas expensive now? I don't even remember. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah, I'm living the dream of uh, the American uh, hopeful dream that someday we can all get rid of our gas reliance and then start treating the Middle East like a third world country again. I think that's really what people are doing. It's not it's 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 not the terrorists will win or something. It's how can those people in the middle of nowhere tell me what to do and take me I think that's a really good marketing angle. I think I I think that like GM should go that route (laughs) like. Made in America and fuck the Arabs, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a subtle racism (laughs) to uh, going, uh, 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 was it fuel independent? Yeah, something. Energy. I'm I'm not talking about that no more, but uh, yeah. So, but my only, my only fresh shit really is, and, and none of my shit's ever fresh. My shit's always like a few years old. Yeah, it's a little stale sometimes. Yeah, we don't want to. We didn't want to insult you by saying that, though. Yeah, really? <laughs> no. Yeah, yes, really. Oh, uh, we really have no uh, qualms about he, insulting you, haven't you noticed? Oh no, I have not. <laughs> I, 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 I just move on. Uh, no, so f- fresh for me, shit. I've been listening to uh, Weird Al Yankovic's um, Mandatory Fun album. That's a really good one, actually. Yeah, um, is that his last one? That is the I last mean, one for his his record contract. Like he fulfilled right. his contract, and now he's he's debating whether he's going to do any more albums or if he's just going to try and do stuff singles at a time because he can be more timely. Um, That's what I read. That he was looking to do more of, I guess, a YouTube approach since he can put the stuff out faster uh, and be more responsive. Yeah. I actually saw his tour, his mandatory tour. That's the second time I've seen Weird Al live, and he, I mean, when you think about it, he's doing, like, every style of music, and mm-hmm. he puts on a decent show. Um, so what What are the tracks on Mandatory Fun that got your attention? Anything worth mentioning? Uh, foil. Right. Um, uh, oh, oh uh, Tacky. <laughs> I used Tacky in last week's show because I was, you know, so taken Did with it. Did you see the video for and Foil? Yeah, but I did, <laughs> uh, well, part of it. Patton Oswald. Yeah. I saw I saw the beginning with him in the restaurant, and then I saw the the infomercial, and I didn't watch the rest of it. And then I listened to the song, and I'm like, oh, there's this whole thing with tin foil hats, and I, I didn't. Because I made this hat from aluminum foil. That's 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 me. I'm moving and shaking. I'm not watching anything for too long. A video doesn't hold my attention that long. I'm so Gen X. <laughs> yeah, um, way to go. My favorite on that album is probably First World Problems, which is the Pixies style cover. I actually laid a little mm-hmm. bit into an older episode.
Oh no, word crimes. Oh, that is that is probably my yes, favorite. That's that's really <laughs> good too. I know all of these, but I can't name them. As always, I'm always thankful for the polka. He's sexy and he knows it. When 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 he does the uh, polka collection of songs, I thought I thought this one was really strong, especially since I know most of those songs. He actually did the polka live. I had seen him twice, and he didn't he didn't brave the polka um, the first time I saw him. But he, they did the polka live with the accordion and, and all of that, and that was impressive. <laughs> All right. Any other fresh shit from you, Eric? Nine. Okay. So I've got a handful of things. Uh, I started, I think it was one of you mentioned it on the year in review episode. Um, I started listening to the S Town podcast, Shit Town. Yeah. Uh, speaking that was of Eric. depressing things, wow. Ooh. Um, <laughs> about uh, three quarters of the way through that. And yeah, it's, it's pretty bleak. Um, uh, there's a new They Might Be Giants album. I saw this on my Apple Music yesterday, and it's copyright 2018. It's what? it's called I Like Fun. And um, what to make of this thing? So this is another of those albums where They Might Be Giants is backed by a real band, right? So now the saxophone and the trumpet are an actual saxophone and trumpet. And there's something lost in not having the shitty samples that they used to have you know, 30 years ago, but it's another, they might be giants. This one seems preoccupied with death. Um, there's a couple songs. Uh, the last song is called last wave, which is definitely about, but there's a, the one that I would call out is called by the time you get this, which is a time capsule song from the human race to whoever's listening a millennium from now talking about how much better we left the world because all the humans are dead now. And and so all of the bad things that humans did are, are no longer around for the listener. You're probably too busy rejoicing in the present to stop and be reminded of the dark and troubled past. By the time you get this note, we'll no longer be alive. But our skulls are smiling still at the thought of things to come. We can confidently know that you'll enjoy a better world When the evils that we faced will at last be laid to rest I like fun too. Doesn't anybody? <laughs> Isn't that kind of the... Anyway. Um, other stuff. So really, the rest of what I've been doing has been continuations of other fresh... I've been watching Halt and Catch Fire. I finally got over the hump and got through the third season on Halt and Catch Fire, and I'm now into the fourth season. And it's good. Is it only four seasons? Yeah, it actually has a, um, I'm told it has a proper ending, like they wrap it up. But they keep jumping forward in time. So now we're in 1994, and they celebrated one character's 40th birthday, which means he would have had to have been 20 in the first season, which means he was having children (laughs) in his teens based on their own continuity. Good call. Good call. And then finally, The Good Place has started airing episodes again. And 
they kind of split the second season into two halves. And uh, they're still managing to keep it fresh. In fact, the episode that ran this week was uh, pretty well written. There was a lot of uh, a lot of really hilarious jokes. There was one joke, without ruining any of the plot, I can just tell you that in the background of a scene that takes place in the bad place is a giant poster for Pirates of the Caribbean 6, colon, The Haunted Crow's Nest, <laughs> or something, <laughs> who gives a crap, now playing everywhere, forever. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> oh, I love that show. So yeah, that's my fresh shit. Hooray! 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 <laughs> so uh, I was struggling with the topic this week. I um, I had a, you know we have a list of like show ideas that we've been amassing, and and I kind of went to the well on this one. I we did a show a while back about the movies of 1984. And um, in my memory, at least, having not really researched, it's just my sense of it, was that 84 to 86, like, things got really shit. Like, that was one of those things where they tried to jump on popular trends two years later, those movies come out, and they're, and they're all kind of awful. So, for comparison, in 84, you have Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills Cop, and in 86, you have Eddie Murphy and The Golden Child. In 84, you have scary puppets and gremlins. And in 86, you have scary puppets and Howard the Duck. <laughs> and in 84, you have Steve Gutenberg in Police Academy. In 86, you have him in Short Circuit. Which, which so, was a big hit, by the way. And there's actually some, some gems. So I kind of want to just get into the summer of 86. There's actually better movies in here than I remember. Uh, let's just start it in the month of May. I'll, I'll call out some notable movies that came out in May. There was Short Circuit. Johnny Five. There was Cobra. I saw that one. <laughs> oh, Poltergeist Cobra was... Two. The other side. You're gonna die in and... there. <laughs> You're gonna die. <laughs> and uh, of course, the big hit that we did a big show about, Top Gun, uh, came out in May of '86. Yeah, Cobra's a fun one because that one is that's still one of my favorite Stallone lines. history with Cobra. I, I mean, that was a movie that came out that everyone knew sucked, did actually sucked, and yet was a topic of conversation for like the last 30 years. <laughs> there was something amazing about the poster and the marketing for that. Well, he had that stupid matchstick, but yeah. it's like uh, when he walks into the, the grocery store that's being held hostage by the, the armed thieves, and uh, and what was, what was the line? They're like, oh, you're going to die. And he's looking at him, he's like, I'm the, he's like, what is it? Uh, you're the disease and I'm the cure. Crime is the disease. I'm the cure. That's the one. That's where that came from. Shit, I can't believe I forget it. You're a disease. And I'm the cure. Sylvester Stallone was the one who was originally supposed to play Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. And they they fired him because he uh, wanted all sorts of rewrites to the script. And they finally just said, all right, get the fuck out of here. And he took his ideas and his rewrites, and from that made Cobra. Cobra is what would have happened if they'd have let him be Beverly Hills Cop. You just improved my thesis about the, the degradation from 84 to 86. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's uh, oh, my God. And he, uh, uh, what was it? It's like uh, Foley. Uh, he he said no. We can't. That's what kind of name is that? We can't Cooper Foley. Uh, we gotta give him a name like Cobretti. And Cobretti. so, 
<laughs> yeah, he rewrote Axel Foley as, I don't know, whatever, Cobretti. And, of course, yeah. he goes to make, you know, his own movie, Cobretti, Cobra. It's, yeah. What I like, though, is that, that it, it actually has a line that could have fit in Beverly Hills Cop, though. It's when yeah. he disappears, yeah. Yeah. like, yelling at him, like, you know what, Cobretti, you got a real attitude problem. He's like, yeah, but it's yeah, just, but a, little just a little wood. <laughs> that was his idea of humor yeah oh god so bad well i like and and, in touching with that too because that was around the same time that uh raw deal came out with schwarzenegger back when they were like a competing yeah yeah raw deal's coming up in uh in june when we discovered uh yeah so so i just wanted to discovered arnold schwarzenegger yeah yeah, so we we can put a pin in that if it's coming up in a, in a bit here. But that was always because yeah. I saw because I saw both in the theater. Uh, made my dad drag me to them, and they're both awful. But they both have some of the best <laughs> best lines from each one. I mean, Schwarzenegger did the Terminator in '84 and did Raw Deal in June of '86. But I mean, even Conan came out before that. Anyway, whatever. Uh, anyone want to say anything about Short Circuit or Poltergeist Two? Uh, I didn't see either until. Later, well, no, I haven't even seen Short Circuit still, mm-hmm. uh, but but I didn't I, watch Poltergeist two until years later. My only memory of Short Circuit was going, "Oh, Ali Sheedy, how far the mighty have fallen." <laughs> I just remember that song was everywhere, though. <laughs> Who's John? Yeah. He said it's mighty, his perfect way. Oh God! Now we're gonna insert it into the show. Oh, the bar. I'm fucking yeah, awful. I'm gonna have the sneezing shits now. <laughs> yeah, musical flu, musical flu. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we need to have a a, a, ha- a happy peppy spin on you know the Cold War. Yeah, I think I think that's really the point of Short Circuit. I mean, if, and for that matter, Top Gun. Well, if if it wasn't apparent uh, that Gutenberg's career was sort of on the wane, that was probably it. You know, you make me think, since this is the year of Top Gun, I, and I feel I can say it, in that movie, it ends with them getting into a, you know, a dogfights with actual Soviet MiGs, like Soviet Union, Russia, shooting war in the sea. I think maybe the sequel should be like 30 years after the apocalypse, right? Because you know about five minutes after that fight, the nukes were launched. I mean, we were at war. Wasn't that Short Circuit mm. 2? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really don't I think don't I could possibly tell you the distinction between Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2. So we do get in into June, and the first week of June, I think this was the point where I formed my opinion that, oh, God, this summer's going to suck. Because the first week of June, what came out was um, the big movie was Space Camp. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. And let's not forget and that also Raw Deal yeah. and and Toby Hooper's Invaders from Mars. Yeah. Uh which in retrospect was the best one, but Space Camp. I would people. like to touch on that because uh Space Camp came out on the 6th of June and let's not forget that the Challenger exploded on the 28th of January. So it, <laughs> it, it it had an uphill battle from the get-go despite the fact that it was just a horrible movie. An impossible mistake launched them into space. The adventure of their lives will be getting back home. Space camp. They just didn't learn to hold a release for several years. Yeah. Well, there was no <laughs> video to go to. They, they, they yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not true. There was, but 
Yeah. Not in the same way. But yeah, yeah, bad, bad time but for Space yeah, Camp. But there's no, yeah, like there's no producer on that film going, uh, you know, maybe that would be in poor taste. Perhaps we should hold off on that. No, no, let's just put it out. Everybody will love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck off. Uh, uh, yeah. Invaders from Mars was a fun little bit of B-movie schlock. Well, this yeah. is also the summer that we got Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Back to School, and these are still classics. That was the next, yeah, so yeah. those were the next couple weeks. Ferris Bueller, yeah, okay, fine. Stolen Cold Classic. Can't, yeah. Can't argue with Ferris Bueller. It right. came in at number 10 for the year. Back and to it, school. Oh, man. That was that was pretty rough. Just but, da- okay. danger, <laughs> yeah, Dangerfield right before he just uh, stopped being Dangerfield in any way, shape, or form. Like, back, I, back to school had the benefit of coming out on VHS when I was in my teens and it had boobies in it. And that's pretty much... What I mostly remember about Back to School. Well, here's the thing. Mm. Back to School came in at number six for the year. So it beat Ferris Bueller's Day Off at the box office by, by a handy $21 million. So as, as it happens with classics. Yeah. I, I, that's one of the things like, and I see this too with music. Like everybody's like, oh, all the 80s music. I'm like, no, no, no. The music that was popular in the 80s didn't survive this long we're only remembering the good stuff which wasn't necessarily the hits mm-hmm. i always think that they when they when they d- do all of that nostalgia m- music in commercials it's not the stuff that they we were forced to listen to on the radio they're they're right they're playing all the underground stuff and that's because the people who got into entertainment were you know all the sort of dweebs who were listening to that Nobody remembers pictures of you from when it came out. Right. Somehow Lisa Lisa and the Colt Jam don't show up, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's the cure <laughs> and not El Barge. Tony Braxton <laughs> is, is missing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, also in June... Uh, Legal Eagles and The Karate Kid Part 2. Ugh. Uh. Ugh. Yeah, we're hurting here. Ugh. Um, My Little Pony, the movie. Well, in keeping with Legal Eagles and in your, your thesis here, uh, that's an Ivan Reitman film. So in 84, he did Ghostbusters. And so in 86, he does Legal Eagles, which is a really, really tepid rom-com with Redford and Deborah Winger. Uh, and Daryl Hannah about art thieves or something, and Brian Dennehy's in it. And all I remember is that it was uh, buoyed by the song by Rod Stewart that had some sort of uh, calypso drum in it, right? I don't remember it, but now I'm going to have to go find it and put it in the podcast. Just give me a chance to let me show you I just remember everybody liking that movie and me being the standout going, this? Yeah, it was awful. No, it was, that oh, was Star that. Power. That was Robert Redford putting seats in, the- seats in-, in theaters. Yeah. So it was ugh, ugh. Uh, very, doesn't age well at all. If you've seen it at all in the last 30 years, it looks like it was made in 1986 and uh, <laughs> it's stuck there, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> 
It is and the Karate Kid Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're uh, we're we're deep in this shit here, guys. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's just ugh. yeah. I'm looking at this list. It's pretty depressing. I'm trying to find I'm the standouts. Labyrinth. So there was Labyrinth. That was another classic. Same month. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that which I works. I love, if only for the inclusion of Mr. Bowie. Uh, but, David yeah, Bowie. That, like most of those Muppet movies, doesn't hold up very well. Well, well, when I, did, I thought it was a lot better than the Dark Crystal. Dark yeah, Crystal's true. overrated. Yeah, true. This one, this one with the Brian Frude designs and like the you know the, just the stuff early on in the maze, like the creatures with the eyeballs on the plants and and the door knockers and the shit like that. I really I thought that was fun mm. and creative stuff. And Jennifer Connelly, yum. Well, when did uh, when did Legend come out? I think that was eighty five. I'm yeah. not sure. Was it okay? Either that or it'll show up as I scroll down this thing. We'll see. Yeah, um, I, I we can't, also got Running Scared, yeah. Chris's favorite soundtrack, yeah. Shine Sweet Freedom. Shine Sweet Freedom. That's my Michael McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> but Running Scared, I saw a couple times, and I actually, when I was 15, thought it was funny. Uh, I don't so much now. But yeah. it had Billy Crystal being sort of Billy Crystal-ish when he was kind of funny. At his, at his peak, yeah. Yeah, but that's got uh, one of my favorite bits where he's doing the phone call with the person. And he's like, hello, Manda, can you put the pepper on the paprikas? And he does that bit. <laughs> that was and, in Running Scared, the pep, the, the, which pepper yeah. in my paprikas? That voice was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he pulls it out again in Harry and Sally, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, that's why. Manda. Uh, he does not know that the answer is if switch clams. Yeah, I'm just shit. watching the old Jeopardy, and a man missed a Bible question because he did not know what Deuteronomy was. Oh, yeah, I'll help you. I want you to get Gonzalez and show up you the Costanzo. They don't pay me no more, and I'm mad. The problem is, I watched that again, and the actual story makes no sense to me. You have two Chicago cops who go to the Keys. They go on vacation. They say, let's live here forever. And they go back to Chicago to tie things up and somehow get caught up in a drug lord. Oh, yeah, that's right. They see some drugs, and the drug lord wants his coke back, and they don't give it to him, and they kill the drug lord. It's like just just, just, just a meandering uh-huh kind of story. I, 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 it feels like it's uh, like the precursor to Rush Hour. That's what I get the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't go anywhere either. <laughs> but, you know, an early Jimmy Smiths, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> So rounding out, uh, rounding out June, and we don't have to talk about it much because we did it in the Zucker Abraham Zucker episode. But ruthless people, yes, in '86, <laughs> and that's still that funny. one I like. Yeah. It's still funny. It is. It's it's really mean uh, in a lot of ways, thanks to Danny DeVito. So yeah, in the right ways. Classic. Yeah. Classic. And the okay. last time we're so going to see Helen Slater for for several years, I think. When was the legend of Billy Jean? Shame. When was the legend of Billy Jean? That was eighty six, eighty seven, I yeah. think. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's around then. Okay. I'm wrong okay, again. So if 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 you're a studio <laughs> executive, which uh, these all these movies opened at opposite each other, which one do you think would win the weekend? Psycho three. Yes. The Great Mouse Detective. Ooh, yes. About last night. No. Or Big Trouble in Little China. 
great mouse detective. I'm pretty sure about last night. About last night. I don't know which one won the weekend. I'm I'm the stu- <laughs> as the studio executive. I'm putting my money on Grace, great mouse detective. Uh, let's see w- w- what I won. Nothing. Nothing. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I would too, just because kids' movies always make money. But but yeah, I mean, I would assume that people thought Psycho Three was going to be much bigger than it was, and the only one of those that really holds up. I think at this point is the big trouble in little China, which didn't take itself seriously. And no one took it seriously at the time. Like I remember people just not having any idea how to market this movie. Well, I love the marketing campaign on that one though. Cause I remember heading up into summer, uh, and you kept seeing the ads like who is Jack Burton. And they kept playing up that angle. Right. And, uh, and I was there opening day, but there was nobody in the theater. Nobody. I, I was right there with you. <laughs> it was amazing. Okay, this at least looks fun. I love the... One of my favorite lines in it is there's just this big throwaway gag where this, they're in the underground caverns and this giant monster comes out and Egg Shen throws some, some fire powder and says, You will come out no more! And Burton's just like, What? What will come out no more? <laughs> and that's it. Like, no other mention of that ever again. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a good time. But oh, I like God. it when they're, when they're drinking the potion before they go downstairs to the big final fight. And uh, they're, they're getting all patriotic and whatnot. And so, oh, you know, he's, he's all, you know, yeah, he's like, here's to the Army and Navy and the battles they have won. And all that, and, Jack, and Ed Burton's just like, "May the wings of liberty never lose a feather." <laughs> <laughs> it's like you are such a uh, jackass. Uh, yeah, I need to watch that movie again. I have the Blu-ray, and it's time to whip it out. Yeah. Whip it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that one. I think of all the movies I've seen on this list, apart from something like Highlander, which came out a little before the Summer Rush. Uh, I think that one stands out as one of like the enduring classics of the era, and it didn't really make. Yeah, I agree with you there. So it's and it's that a, is pure John Carpenter too, he, because yeah. he, he he's doing everything he wants. He's getting given all the budget that he needs, uh, and and he ends up writing great, hilarious stuff that doesn't take itself seriously. Yeah, but but nobody gets it. That's the thing. Paper, paper, fuck it. <laughs> it stood the yeah. test of time, unlike a lot of these movies. Now, in 84, uh, we had the screen debut of Prince in Purple Rain. Yeah. In 86, we got Under the Cherry Moon. Nope. Uh, nope. Yeah, but he also wrote the screenplay and directed it. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, uh-huh. I think we all know how that went. That came in uh, uh-huh. at number 72 for the year. It made a whopping $10 million. <laughs> so, and, and Harold Ramis brought us Club Paradise with Robin Williams and Peter O'Toole. Oh, I saw that one too. It had Rick Moranis. I, it had Eugene Levy. It had a whole cast of people in it. It's so bad. I don't remember that. That's the one where they're on a really dilapidated uh, Caribbean resort. And it's literally like a like a Caddyshack sort of vibe. Harold Ramis, not at his finest as a director, uh, but really it was just a case of comedians just got to be goofy uh, oh. at this Caribbean resort. It's really awful. So bad. So bad. Oh, thanks for bringing that one up. I forgot about that. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Luckily for all of us, 
Aliens came out the following week. Yes. Yes. That's that's possibly my nominee for best sequel ever, and that includes Empire. This is, I think, the best. Maybe Godfather 2 would be the better sequel, but man, it's up there. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that a couple times in the theater. It, It floored me. I loved it so much. And that was like, I quoted it forever and a day after it came out. Uh, I think if Avatar the, had had the same uh, tightness that Aliens had, I would have been a fan of that too. Because it's it's yeah. very close. <laughs> it's a military style, you know, meeting with aliens and shit goes wrong. But yeah, yeah this is this is just it's tight, it's fast, it uses rear projection. I mean, there's what's not to love. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about Aliens is at the end there's a countdown clock that starts going off. You have. You know, 15 minutes to reach minimum safe distance. All personnel must evacuate immediately. You now have 15 minutes to reach minimum safe distance. And at that point, even though they take a lot of liberties with, like, movie space, the actual time it takes from in, in your viewer time from when that goes off to when the explosion is supposed to go off is correct. Yeah. Like that countdown sticks to the clock. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, my favorite yeah. part about that whole thing though, and, and it's just, it's a tribute to the way uh, Cameron constructed the whole thing. So he did that build up, and then you have where they finally got off the planet, the thing explodes and then there's like the calm and then you've got the, you know, everybody okay. And then as they're getting off the shuttle on the Nostromo and the alien comes out from underneath and rips uh, Bishop in half and like everybody loses their mind to me what was funny is is as they were kind of doing the thing everybody okay like i literally saw people in the theater just getting up and leaving going oh movie's over la 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 like you fucking knuckleheads (laughs) there was like there was like 15 whole minutes of fun left like you just missed the best part because it's you know she comes out in the cage you know get away from her get away from her you bitch yeah get away from her you bitch (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was good uh but it's, it's so much in that and then and then you can't beat paxton that's probably his finest filmic moment ever for me on anything mm-hmm. <laughs> oh what the fuck are we gonna do now man ah oh, that's awesome let's just put her in charge <laughs> yeah. that's awesome that's great that's just fucking great man now what the fuck are we supposed to do we're some real pretty shit now man you finished man game over man it's game over like that year i think asu went to the rose bowl or some bowl game and my mom worked for asu athletics so i was dragged along for a football thing and i hate football and so i'm on this 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 four day long trip in california spending time with football people and (laughs) being bored out of my mind but on the hotel sort of cable box you know the the one free movie that they offered uh was aliens and they would play it on a loop it's like at the moment it was done it would start again and so i would just spend time in the room and i've watched this movie so (laughs) many times just sitting Uh, in that hotel room i yeah i know we've brought it up before but i feel a connection to this movie yeah it still cracks me up every time though and i know we've we've talked about it before but it's like the (laughs) the eric's uh rendition of the credits it's like sigourney weaver michael bean lance henriksen paul reiser <laughs> it's like it just doesn't one of these kids is not like the other. Doesn't uh, soupy sales. Yeah. 
Judy Tanuda. <laughs> Alf. Yeah. I would put that as my, my top pick of the the year, frankly. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. That's way, way yeah. up there. I, yeah. don't, I, don't, I don't know if anything's going to beat that. All right. So other movies that came out in July, uh, we had Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep in Heartburn. Burp. Yeah. We had... Uh, Gene Wilder and Gilda Radner and Dom DeLuise and Honda. Oh my God, when they sing the ball and the jack, though, there's one scene where they sing the ball and the jack, and it's DeLuise and drag, and it fucking kills me. It is so awful, but it's funny at the same time. YouTube it if you can find it. <laughs> one, two! And then you twist around and twist around with all your might. Spread your loving arms, clear out of space. You do the eagle rock, wing. You put your left foot out and bring it back. And that's what we call the Jack. We have uh, Tom Hanks and Jackie Gleason in Nothing in Common. I thought this was supposed to be a goddamn comedy. That's what I said when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Stephen King directs Stephen King with Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, who made who? Yeah. Who yeah. made who? That was well, you're, a coke-fueled yeah. mess. Uh, <laughs> here's, here's what I love about that one. I was reading, I think it was Newsweek at the time had come out, and there was some fluff piece about the making of it. And it came out, they were talking to Emilio Estevez about the, how it was, was working with Stephen King as a director. And he basically just shit all over him. He's like, well, he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He's like, so we did a thing, and I flubbed a take. And Stephen King's like, you know, okay, well, let's try it again. And, and Emilio Estevez just said, well, you sure you don't want to just do it as a pickup? And he's like, and Stephen King had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's great. Which explains shows. that scene in the, in the sewer, in the, the thing when they're, they're wading through the shit. And the two, one of them's like, I got a mouthful of it. And they start like laughing. And I'm always like, why are they <laughs> laughing at that? Oh, yeah. it's because they're no longer acting. Yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> Well, I would like to do one honorable mention for July, uh, and it's a movie you can't find anywhere, and I still don't know why, but uh, it's Pirates, starring Walter Matthau, uh, which was, uh, (laughs) (laughs) which is, it's basically... Oh my God, I remember that. Canon Films presents Walter Matthau in Roman Polanski's epic adventure about the most infamous, dreaded... And feared pirate of all time. I am Thomas Bartholomew Reed. I, I, wow, okay. Yeah, you don't know this one? Yeah, it's basically, it's no. uh, Pirates of the Caribbean before there was Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, and it's Walter Matthau just being this weird, dirty, gross uh, pirate. And it was directed by Roman Polanski. And so it's this big, fabulous, expensive-looking European production. And it's kind of a really bleak, dark comedy. Uh, like there's a whole running gag with Matthau as the gross pirate trying to eat a rat and he's fiddling with the tail and the whole thing. Uh, I watched it at the theater and then it just disappeared and I've never seen it again. And I remember having, having such an impact on it because I'm like, nobody makes pirate movies. Least yeah, of all that with Walter Matthau. On cable. Yeah. That's where I caught it. So if you can catch it, it's actually not bad. So there it is. So so August is here to save us for 1986 now. You hope. August 1st, you've got Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Eh. Uh. And, and you've got 
Flight of the Navigator as opposed to Flight of the Phoenix. Yeah. And, or the Condor. And, and you've got Howard the fucking Duck. Yeah. And it's got a great soundtrack. And early Tim Robbins looking befuddled. And then some sort of weird scorpion. And Thompson, yeah, possibly <laughs> fucking a duck. <laughs> it's yeah. just such an ill-conceived, ill-conceived movie on all levels. Uh, so, like, is there something going on in Lena Thompson's career where it's like, let's let's put her in roles where she's sexually attracted to things she shouldn't be sexually attracted to? Like, <laughs> well, wasn't that Caroline in the City? That was the whole flow through. No, I don't know. I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's Back to the Future. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, what's to say about what? Anything about Flight of the Navigator before we move on? Uh, I've never seen it. Don't remember it. I get that one confused with with the Boy Who Could Fly, which also came out that that month, and that one I did see. August eighth actually had a couple of of ones worth mentioning. Um, Transformers the movie hit in in that that was that was like um, heavy metal for kids. They're more than meets the <laughs> eye at the, at the time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, and, uh, One Crazy Summer, the follow-up to, uh, Better Off Dead. <laughs> Which is not as much, much, not as good as follow-up. But it's, but, but it's got, uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite in a oh, Godzilla yeah. suit, like, wreaking havoc on a really tiny city. Uh, which is so my always... favorite. My favorite bit was Bobcat Goldthwait and one of the other characters were supposed to be twins. And, you know, it was like the short, fat one and the tall, skinny one. And there was... There was a bit where um, Bobcat Goldthwait is talking to Booger. Uh, he hasn't got Curtis Armstrong is his name, but no, he's Booger. He's he will always be Booger. Yeah. Uh, but his his story is uh, he's like, let me tell you a story about a little fat kid that nobody loved, and people made fun of him, and, and he had a twin brother, and, and everybody said he didn't look like his twin brother, but he wanted to. And they're like, was that you? Is like, no, but I used to beat the shit out of him and say, why are you so fat? Why are you so fat? <laughs> uh, I remember wah, those two. Uh, they had, he had a, he had a shirt that said, I'm with stupid that pointed to the right at his brother. And his brother had a shirt that said, I'm with stupid with an arrow that pointed up at his own head. <laughs> and I won yep. that, that shirt for the second uh, guy. <laughs> it's just my favorite gag is, and it's not going to translate well to podcast form, but it's the one where Cusack's in front of the guy's shiny red car. And that's like the preppy douchebag and he's leaning in and he's basically just really quiet. He's like, you touched my car. He's like, what? I can't hear you. He's like, you touched my car. <laughs> and they keep like playing that out just to piss the guy off. You touched my car! Right. Well, let me just get it clean then. You oh, touched it again! Don't ever touch my car It's, it's again, kind of ever, the quintessential ever. 80s you know, snobs and slobs, you know, Caddyshack ripoff movie, right? Like there was yeah. so many of those, but one crazy summer is, is, is kind of a prototypical one. Um, uh, I would agree. Yeah. It had all of the snobs versus slobs elements, like the country club taking over, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, yeah. I would agree. It it feels like they said to Steve Holland, you know, we're giving you one more try. And you know, so he's like, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'll well, do, I'll take your notes this time. Yeah. Well, then after that, he managed to do what was it? How I got into college, 
how I got into college. That was and like then three years later. He made his mu- his real career on Eek the Cat after that. Mm-hmm. Like that was his thing. So but, good, good yeah. for him. Good for him. <laughs> also on this day, though, debut of Spike Lee. She's got to have it. Mm-hmm. Now Ooh. a Netflix series by Spike Lee. Go figure. Um, I didn't say that one. Wouldn't care later. about him until do the right thing. Uh, do the right thing in Malcolm X and not much else. Yeah, I like She's Gotta Have It. I haven't seen the series, but uh, the movie's enjoyable. That was part of that whole uh, mid-80s indie boom where you got guys like him and Jarmusch and and whatnot. So, I like it. And so, August starts to come to a close. We're getting closer to the school year. Uh, Michael Mann's Manhunter, his his version of Red Dragon with Hannibal Lecter, came out. Which, a lot of these are ones that I didn't see on cable until like the next year when they were out. Yeah. So... I didn't see that one up front. That was the beauty of cable at the time. You could have all these movies that did not get wide releases, and then suddenly everybody sees them. I think they yeah. started to figure out then that doing a release schedule, you know, scheduled geographically doesn't work. Probably. Yeah, we got Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which was fucking terrible. Is that the one with Dennis Hopper? Um, yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. And we got... Um, Sean Penn and Madonna in Shanghai Surprise. <laughs> oh, God. <Everybody>. Oh, ouch. <laughs> it, with the tagline, it's billed as a comedy. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> You've been Shanghai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been Shanghai. Great. Uh. <laughs> but we do have a couple more noteworthy films to round out August. The first is David Cronenberg's The Fly. Did you see The Fly? I always thought Gina Davis would have been a better replacement. She was great in The Fly. I never saw The Fly. You never saw The Fly? I never saw The Fly. The Fly was great. Well, I never saw The Fly. Did you see The Fly? Of course I saw The Fly. I never saw The Fly. He saw The Fly. Well, I never saw The Fly. Everyone saw The Fly. No, I never saw The Fly. My parents saw The Fly. I never saw The Fly. My children saw The Fly. Shut up. I never saw The Fly. My cousin saw The Fly. Shut up. I never saw The Fly. My brother-in-law saw The Fly. Shut up. My mom saw The Fly. My chiropractor saw The Fly. Shut up. <laughs> oh yeah this is uh this is cronenberg it is one of his uh finest moments i think yeah it's, this it, and videodrome are sort yeah. of the best two cronenbergs in my opinion but mm-hmm. uh this one far outpaces the original with vincent price uh just because of sheer spectacle <laughs> think? uh it is the grossest grossest movie but it is so riveting and you can't turn away from how gross it is <laughs> it's just ugh. but yeah when uh I, it, this is the movie that made Jeff Goldblum, yeah. isn't it? I'm, yeah, I mean he well he'd I been mean, in he some stuff, around. but yeah, he was in Buckaroo Banzai, but he'd done uh, some stuff here and there. But this was the one that yeah sort of made him more it's more like Goldblum. True Goldblum fans were aware of him, but this is where everybody figured out yeah yeah, yeah. who he was. And I think Gina Davis but, was in this too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think this yeah. might have been where they got together as a couple. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Yum. But just just watching his transformation into Brundlefly, it is so disgusting. Like when he's lifting the fingernails off of his fingers and just staring at him quizzically. I mean, it's just oh, it's so gross. But uh, I remember in the end when she's she has to kill it and yeah. uh, she's holding the gun on it and she can't do it, and, and the hand reaches up to like 
aim the barrel at its head like please kill me mm-hmm. there was just yeah. that mm-hmm. moment of oh my god i i didn't feel grossed out i felt really sad i felt yeah. really bummed out yeah well, well and that's the beauty is they yeah. made you care about this creature yeah, yeah. right like it's it's a, what fine, a great monster movie it's it's a fine line but he he towed it well and it's a i would say it's a modern classic I don't understand how they yeah. did Fly 2 the way they did, but, you know, whatever. With Eric Stoltz? <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, earlier in the summer, we had Joaquin Phoenix in Space Camp. Yeah. And we had John Cusack in One Crazy Summer. Now, John Cusack is in the movie with River Phoenix that came out at the end of August, Stand By Me. Uh, Stephen King. True. Story. So, True. Maxim over. And directed by Rob Reiner. Yeah. Uh this is a classic, isn't it? Stand by me. It's yeah. yeah. I it, think it, it I, I and and I don't know what happened to all those actors, but you know, Corey Feldman uh I think I think has his breakthrough in this, yes. Well, it's also Wheaton. Oh, Will Wheaton was in it. Yeah. That's that's kind and of the joke. I'm sorry. It didn't fly. Yeah. Basically, Corey <laughs> Feldman and Connell got no career, and now all of them are gods, including the dead one. Uh, and Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. And Casey yeah. Samosco is in it. Casey Samosco, don't forget. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he of, of 12 o'clock high, right? Uh, 3 o'clock high. Yeah. Or 3 o'clock there's high, a, yeah. There's a, do you remember Boys in the Hood? There's a funny like callback to this movie in that with the four kids in East L.A. And one of them says, you want to see a dead body? And they just cut to them looking at the dead body. Where, where this movie is at. You want to yeah. see a dead body, and they spend the whole movie yeah. trying to get to the dead body. Clink! Well, yeah. and so so much genre stuff has referenced Stan. I mean, the, the movie version of It this year was a big Stand By Me reference. Stranger Things is a big Stand By Me reference. I mean, this, this thing is highly influential. Yeah. I would agree. That's kind of it for the summer of 86. Uh, there's actually some good movies in the fall, <laughs> but we're getting towards the point where we usually wrap up the podcast and I yeah. may just, you know. Well, I did want to note that one we forgot. Sour note. One we forgot from June uh, was the Manhattan Project. Did we see this one in the oh, theater? Oh, okay. Because uh, I sure did. And I John- did not. <laughs> it's the one where the kid makes the, the nuclear device uh, yeah. as a science project because to prove he's so smart it was basically like uh, uh, oh shit what's the Broderick movie Real Genius no um, it kind of that War but Games what, yeah it, it's sort of like a a, a a bad ripoff of War Games and so the kid makes the nuclear device and then John Lithgow's dating his mom and John Lithgow works at like the nuclear research facility yo-yo dying propulsion systems yeah. and so that yeah you need so to they, get to planet 10. Yeah. So the kid, and, to, to, and somehow to, to make this a realistic scenario, the kid thinks that in order to create the bomb, he has to go steal plutonium from this facility. It's like, it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. So then you got a live... The Libyans have yeah, it. Yeah, then you got a live action uh, bomb and then the, the rush to save everybody and blah, blah, blah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. And, and in the end, they don't kill the kid because it's some kind of peace statement. But I'm thinking, fuck that. This is like a dog that tastes human flesh. Put him down. Yeah. Bullet to he the He knows head. how to make an atomic bomb and you're just going to let him walk around? Fuck that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, but no, this is, can I just, get, I guess before we, we sew up this thing, though, like, this is also the year of Sid and Nancy. 
and something mm-hmm. wild and yeah. uh, 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 blue velvet, blue velvet, yeah. was, was blue velvet. This year. the uh, color River's of money Edge was this year. True stories, um, yeah. And then I would also add that uh, Crime Wave uh, did not make a dent at all this year in 1986, but that's uh, early Sam Raimi, uh, written and directed by the Coen Brothers, and it's a kinetic oh. jumble of fun. I've never seen if that. you can ever catch it, it's it doesn't. I mean, it's not great. Uh, the plot makes very little sense, but it's uh, very much uh, Sam Raimi. It is it is experimental fun best because it's just a lot of like goofy camera shit, uh, and it's like a, a walking Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, and also, but, one of the best uh, uh, Alan Smithy movies came out this year with the fucking best title. Let's get Harry. Harry oh, spelled H A R R Y. Not H A I R Y, which you know yeah. would be a good title if it was a comedy, but it's not. It's it's, <laughs> it's you know a bunch of loser friends who go to get their kidnapped friend back, who's um, uh, uh, Harmon, Mark Harmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Robert Duvall. See, I didn't realize <laughs> a lot of the movies I remembered from this year weren't actually in the summer, like The Golden Child and Little Shop of Horrors, uh, and yeah. Star Trek Four. All of those, I thought those yeah. were summer movies. They were all winter movies, as it turns out. And Pretty in Pink. And three amigos, but most importantly, Solar Babies. Yeah, <sighs> the summer movie thing, though, I don't think it happened. Like it was starting to happen, but like the important movies were still in like the fall and winter because grownups yeah. still went to movies. And this is where we start to shift into kids with disposable income going to movies. Well, I think yeah, I think that really started in like eighty two, eighty three yeah. with E. T. and and shit. Like I mean, that, on the but, level yeah. that it would like in eighty eight, yeah. eighty nine, because because once they had nineteen eighty nine happened with all that money, suddenly only the summer was important. Yeah, eighty nine's on that podcast ideas list. It's coming someday. Oh boy! Oh boy! Snap. <laughs> <laughs> well so yeah that's pretty much it 86 any any final thoughts uh no let's 86 this <laughs> and that'll do it for us from the magnificently huge podcast if you uh like what you hear share it with your friends or you can tweet us at mag huge on twitter um on Facebook, we're Magnificently Huge. On Instagram, we're Magnificently Huge. Or you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Join us next week for more stupid shit. And be a mensch. Give us ideas. We'd love to do whatever you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not Because like, yeah. obviously we're running out of ideas. We say that every <laughs> week. And then, lo and behold, we get a new idea. Bing! Yeah. But it would be fun if somebody said, you know what? I've noticed a a lot of movies with uh, uh, girls in socks. Can you do a show on girls in socks? And then we we can do that great suggestion. And we'll call it Foxes in Socks. Ooh. (laughs) All right. Enough. Well, that about wraps it up for another Magnificently Huge podcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends on social media or on SoundCloud. Man, we got a lot of extra listens when people shared the podcast on SoundCloud, so do that. Uh, or you can always reach out to us. On Twitter, we are at MagHuge. 
on Facebook, Magnificently Huge, on Instagram, Magnificently Huge, and you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Join us again next week when Chris, Eric, and I will do some more of this stuff. All right, catch you on the flip. <laughs>